0: Um, Hey, good to have you on the podcast.
1: Hi, happy to be here.
0: So uh, could you please tell our audience a little bit more about yourself?
1: Yeah, uh, my name is Fran Dunaway and I'm the CEO and co-founder of a gender-neutral apparel company based in Seattle, Washington in the United States and uh, my wife and I founded the company. Uh, seven years ago we uh, focus on fit quality and sustainability and we carry everything from the most amazing comfortable underwear all the way through to swimwear sleepwear loungewear and uh, launching uh, n- uh, new categories all the time so we are an online direct-to-consumer brand that uh, is uh, all about uh, fitting you because fitting in was never really the point
0: <laughs> Got it. So uh, <laughs> before we talk about business, fashion, all those different things, I think uh, my people would love to hear like um, what is the story behind like creating the brand and how did you yeah, yeah, get into the position that you are in right now?
1: Well, you know, it all started because I wanted a, a wonderful cu- button up shirt like a Robert Graham or a Ben Sherman, and that's uh, quality fabrics that you can find in menswear. Uh, but with fun details around the collar, I, I just love a button-up shirt, and and so wanted something that would fit my personality, and couldn't find anything in the in the women's section of of clothing. Uh, everything was made to be kind of worn a few times and then discarded, and that just really wasn't what I was looking for. So my then girlfriend, now wife, uh, and co-founder wanted to wanted to. Uh, basically keep me from constantly complaining about the lack of options and said infamously well how hard can it be to start a clothing line and so we kind of uh took the leap of faith we we named the company tomboy because we thought it was a cute name and uh in about a week into our kickstarter campaign that we launched to pay for the shirts we recognized that we had instant brand recognition because of the name and that was really resonating with people around the world that were super excited that there was finally a fashion brand that would see them and they could see themselves represented.
0: And you had no background in fashion, right, prior to starting the company?
1: That's exactly right. We didn't know a knit from a woven or a and l from a balance sheet. And uh, <laughs> basically that, that just equals, you know, you're crazy enough and and, uh, and not smart enough to, to know better. So we just, uh, we went for it.
0: Could you please uh, speak about that? Because I think this is like such an interesting part about your story, because I think like nowadays, especially like people like in my age, they think that they have to have credentials. They have to have like a business MBA to create a real business. They think they have to have, like, a prior background in consulting or different, like, things before they, like, get into those areas. And I think, obviously, those things can be useful, but I also think that those things also can become a detriment because uh, those people tend to have, like, all the theory and they have to have, like, quote, unquote, like, all the knowledge, but they don't really have, like, the actual experience, like, being in the trenches, like, actually talking to customers, actually trying to get customers and um, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, could you please speak to that?
1: Sure. Uh, I can speak from our experience, and, you know, it, it really, it's, it just becomes around, there's always more to learn, and there's always something to learn. And so, certainly, if, if you have a business background, you might come in with a little um, edge in terms of understanding PLs and balance sheets, but sure. uh, listening to your customers and building a strong a wonderful business. That uh, for us, it was important that we build it based on our personal values, and uh, making sure that we were leaving the world a better place than when we started. You know, we we weren't. We we'd always been in careers that was uh, very purpose-driven, that was about giving back, and so that the notion of of this capitalist endeavor uh, was was something. <laughs> That we struggled with a little bit, and the only way we kind of came to terms with it was to make sure that that we could build a brand that, that imbues who we are all day, every day.
0: Got it. And um, could you please speak about, like, um, what, like, what have been in the early days, like, what have been for you, like, the biggest hurdles or the biggest obstacles that you had to overcome? Because I think, like, especially, like, in the retail or fashion industry, like, cash flow is probably a big problem, like, having, like, all those uh, all this inventory, uh, inventory and then trying to sell it. So, um, yeah, I think this is, like, also, like, uh, our listeners would love to hear that.
1: You hit that nail on, right on the head. Uh, cash <laughs> is always a problem. And, uh, you know, cash is king. But when you have uh, a product, and, and I'll go back because we, we actually don't carry button-up shirts anymore. Um, after we launched the Kickstarter campaign and, and we started kind of putting our logo on a number of different items, shirts and hats, and we, we put them on these, uh, these underwear that we didn't make. And... They were limited in their sizing, which was a frustration for us because we, we were very fo- focused on inclusivity from the beginning. And, and uh, we were uh, trying to figure out and sort out, like, what was the smart way of, of, of uh, handling this. And so we just really wanted to um, listen to our customers. And we started hearing Naomi was doing all of the customer service. It was just the two of us. who we weren't getting a paycheck. And so she was doing all the customer service, and she said, you know, Fran, uh, we're getting a lot of requests for boxer briefs for women. So uh, that was that was something that, that we were really uh, interested in, in pursuing and learning more about, and a woman came into our lives that was really helpful in uh, sourcing and manufacturing, and so when we introduced the first boxer briefs for women and it was about a year after we had launched our, our company and uh, they really took off. I mean, we, we sold out two weeks prior to getting them. We pre-sold them in hopes of having the cash to pay for them. And sure enough, they sold out in, uh, in uh, two weeks. And so that was, that continued to be a struggle, not only knowing how much to order and, and, uh, and and how much to keep on hand, but also uh, how we were going to continue to grow and have other expenses when when we had such a great opportunity. So then it became apparent that we needed to raise funds, and that was where we really really struggled. And uh, you know, it's it's two women in a relationship with no experience uh, that uh, you know aren't twenty uh, somethings with business degrees. So it was it was a definite. Struggle and when we would sit down at the table with people or or go to events There weren't very many people that looked like us. And so that became a a real challenge for us. I mean fundraising Without a doubt one of the hardest things and so just had to get take it uh, Not make it personal and be strategic about who we were meeting with and and why we were uh, Why we wanted them to make an investment and so it turns out in our seed round 90% of our investors were women now, it took a lot longer because women tend to take longer to write a check and write smaller checks. But uh, we we are excited that uh, we are seeing some changes in uh, in in finance and and uh, investment strategies as more and more women are getting involved and and trying to help uh, balance the equity around gender.
0: And uh, so, b- b- before you raised funds, um, you sold uh, the inventory before, like actually ordering the inventory, right? Yes, and I think this is like very, very smart and like a great takeaway for our listeners because, like, especially I see this with people who. Uh, want to get like, because I'm in the service-based business, but if you like want to sell like physical products, I think like this is like a big danger if you, especially if you don't have money and you try to put in like t- 100K, 50K, 10K or something like that. Um, and you don't know if you have product market fit. Like if you don't know like that people like actually are going to buy those things, um, I think you, you put yourself in a great unnecessary danger. So I think like testing small or doing it like you did is like very very smart
1: yeah that that's a really good point and you know we initially launched thinking we had this this little side business and that would stay confined to our one car garage just to fulfill an unmet need we had and what we did was we recognized that there was a white space an unmet need within a whole community of people uh, that that were excited and and it turns out that they were most in need of something that that com- comfortable to wear as underwear that would fit who they feel that they are and then uh, really making sure that we as we launch things and we continued to do that for really probably the first two and a half three years where we would come up with a new fabrication or a new style and we would just let people know this is our launch we're going to see what, how if and how it resonates, get feedback on the fit from everyone, and then come back out a few months later with a much larger um, offering.
0: And I also think um, that... What you said earlier about like listening to the customers is also like a great takeaway for our listeners because I think like especially like, we as entrepreneurs, um, we always are like very very optimistic about our ideas and what we want to sell and what kind of products we want to offer and um, we don't really think that much about the customer and I think it's like very very important to think about the customer and think about like what the market actually wants because um, I think like a lot of people they find it out the hard way that. Often, like you have a certain idea, and uh, but like a couple of weeks later, you find out that nobody is interested in that. So I think like it's really uh, important to always be listening to the market. So um, could you please speak about like how did you get the first couple of customers? Uh, yeah, h- h- how did you create the first couple of customers for your company?
1: Well, when we launched the Kickstarter campaign, we obviously hammered a lot of our friends and and uh, and asked them to reach out to their friends and we resorted to humor shaming uh harassment uh, anything that we could to to help (laughs) push us over the line but it was really cool because there was there was also uh this thing that was happening that was uh we were hearing from acquaintances people we barely knew that were saying hey I, i see you're close to your Goal. If you need a little, you know, a few extra thousand dollars to push you over the edge, let me know. And and so people that were just excited by what we were doing and that understood that there was a a need. And, you know, especially with this particular customer base, uh, they'd never been asked what they wanted. They'd never been uh, given a voice. And so when you when you open yourselves up to being listened or being uh, to listening and a lot of people that haven't been talking or have a lot to say, and uh, it was it certainly has worked to our benefit to pay attention to what they're asking for and then try and and, uh, and accommodate.
0: And um, how like how did this situation for you guys like how did it change when uh, you received funding and you had like money uh, for for your business?
1: How did what what change?
0: Uh, how did the situation change when you had uh, like money? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, we got to hire people. We got to uh, we got to pay ourselves, which was a a big deal. Um, but it also started the beginning of of uh, sophistication around what we were doing and how we were doing it. You know, uh, when it was just the two of us, I would turn on Facebook ads, set a goal for the day, and once we hit that goal, turn them off. And so very, very low level uh, non-existent uh, sophistication. And so it, it allowed us to bring in uh, a contract merchandiser that could help uh, help us understand and stop the uh, bickering that we were having around how much we should order and why we should order it. And, you know, she came in and took a look and, and our at our records and, and uh, she said, you know, you have a 70% sell-through rate. And we were like, oh, that sounds good. Is that good? And she said, "Well, it explains why your shelves are empty, right?" And so, staying ahead of that and having a good, solid sell-through rate, more like a eight to ten percent a week, uh, so that you don't run out of your core product and that you that you have enough on the shelves that aren't just sitting there for too long, but that uh, that can sustain you. And so, um, also, you know, to be able to to do our our uh, Marketing and, and, and uh, more influencer, work with our influencers, get our story out and, uh, and improve our shipping and 3PL. We were doing all of that just, just ourselves. And so as we added team members and, and, and uh, added to our customer service team, it was it alleviated some of the load that we had, but it also allowed us to start looking at our opportunities for continued growth.
0: And, uh, what did you learn about like business, um, and and what has been for you like the difference between like bootstrapping the business and having money?
1: First of all, it's a whole different vernacular. And so learning the, the speak, uh, was important for us to be able to go out and have conversations about, so what's your sweet spot in investing, uh, those types of things where you can really have a conversation with people who understand business and investment. And, you know, it just depends on what you're building. Uh, we probably could have sustained ourselves, um, even with just the shirts. It was, it was a nice steady growth. It wasn't anything like when we added the underwear and things took off. Um, but it was, you know, if we were wanting to build a mom and mom shop and and just have this side business and, and, uh, not have to be beholden to paying anyone back, but uh, make a nice living, the two of us. We, we could have done that, but we felt like there was an opportunity that, and a, honestly a responsibility that was larger than us that uh, go back to our purpose-driven. And so we, we kind of felt like we, we wanted to take this as far as we could take it, and that would mean raising money so we could have the kind of growth that we felt felt was palpable, but we also wanted to make a difference in the world because when we imbued our values into the company, it was important to us to uh, not other people, but to be inclusive and, and to talk about what it feels like to uh, feel good in your body, to feel comfortable in your own skin. And so that was, that was a, um, one of the things that was very important to us, and it happened that the the whole Me Too movement and um, gender equity really started to take off. So it was it was kind of the zeitgeist of of what was happening in the in the world. And so uh, we were fortunate to have a brand that that's that's who we are and what our uh, w- what's in our DNA.
0: And um, what would you tell to to our listeners who are not at the point of scaling their business right now, but they want to start a business. Like, what would you tell them looking back on your life and your experience, uh, experiences right now?
1: Uh, interesting question. My niece called me yesterday and her store on Etsy is doing very well. So she, uh, she was asking me, uh, you know, what, the, what are the next steps? And one of the questions was, uh, so when do I know if I'm ready to hire someone to help? And so then we started having a conversation around margins. What are your cost of goods sold? Are you charging enough money? Have you tested to see if you can charge more? What's your break-even point? So that there's an understanding of the core economics of the business. What's the foundational piece of it? So that you know what you've got, and you and then you can take advantage of of any opportunity within that. Uh, so I, I think it's just really important to educate yourselves on on what is out there and who are your competitors and how what's your differentiator, how are you going to communicate that, but really understanding the core economic principles of, of what it costs to make your business. If it's, you know, I, I used to joke that uh, next time I'm going to put together a SaaS company because you don't have any inventory, but uh, you know, when you're building something and you've got things for the shelves, it just, it's, it's a lot of math. It's a lot of understanding um, the economics, and then not not growing too quickly. You know, early on people would say, well, why don't you get on Shark Tank? And and uh, and I said, we already can't keep the stuff on the shelves. Why would we blow up our business uh, with with uh, going on on some place that would then shut us down for six months while we scramble to try and, and restock our shelves? And so we wanted to be more steady and and uh, deliberate in our growth. And and I think that that's worked to our advantage.
0: And I think um, a lot of people, like, because we have a lot of people in their 20s and 30s that are listening to this, and um, I think um, they always tend to think it's about like the, the, the 10 tips to run Facebook ads. And I think like it's way, way, way more important to get the fundamentals right. Like, for instance, like people start businesses where they have like a very, very small, total addressable market size. So they spend like all this time and all this energy into a business that isn't going to make a lot of money obviously if your goal isn't to make a lot of money that's perfectly right but if your goal is to make a lot of money like maybe you should get into a different business where um your efforts can really compound over the next 25 years or 10 years or five years so um i think like getting the fundamentals right like you've said like the economics right like the positioning right okay like how are you differentiating yourself from from your competitors and why should people buy from your company or why should they buy your product or your services. Um, I think those are the type of questions that people should be asking themselves.
1: Absolutely, that's 100% correct. And then the other point I'd like to make, Hardy, is that you know when you take investment from others, uh, first of all, they expect a return on that dollar they aren't just giving you money and and i think that sometimes people forget that and and so they think oh great invest in my company that i'm going to run for the next 30 years and uh people aren't looking for a 30-year return on investment uh they're looking for you know they might stick around five to seven years and hope to to have a nice healthy return i mean it's a huge risk and so people think about their portfolios uh in reference to that risk and so once you take that first shot uh, you, you know the first injection of cash from, from someone that isn't your your grandma or your uncle then then you <laughs> then then you've got a, you've got a commitment to them where you've got to pay them back at some point and i think people lose sight of that and then once you take that first injection once you hit those growth numbers that make those people uh, happy with your growth then you've got to go out and raise some more And, and your valuation changes and, and then you take the next injection and you're on that, you're on that, you know, that treadmill of, of needing injections until you sell. And, and so you're just making a commitment to a very different, uh, business and, and growth strategy that, uh, that you kind of have to commit to early on. And, and that's the difference between the, the, you know, mom and mom shop and, and, uh, and and taking it uh in institutional money so very different uh things that you're building and to your point the fundamentals of, of what you're building and and why you're building are critically important in either scenario
0: and um i i haven't released this episode but um like last week i've talked to a guy who raised like 90 million or something and he has like 400 employees right now his name is adam harris and he's running a company called uh cloud bets and um and, and, and we were basically also talking about like raising money and like the whole like because he's from San Diego and obviously he is like also into like the whole like Silicon Valley culture and um i the just basically was of our conversation that I think like a lot of people nowadays they think they have to raise money because so so many people are doing it like you are seeing it everywhere like all those startups blowing up and people raising 5, 10, 50, 100 million and more and um but I think like like you've said probably uh, or like you are probably thinking as well, I think like you really have to know what you're doing. Like if you want to raise money, it's perfectly fine. Obviously, it's perfectly fine. A lot of businesses need to raise money. But um, I think you really, really, really have to think about, okay, like do you really want to like grow fast and do you really want to do it like that? Because I think like um, – not so many people are nowadays talking on social media about like growing just like a lifestyle business or a sustainable business where you have like slow growth over like five or ten years where it's just compounding and compounding but but i think um yeah it's really a, a very very important decision and 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 a pers- a personal decision that everyone has to make so uh yeah
1: and it changes the pressure that's on you as well and yes, you know yes. it's it's not your own you're not growing at your own sustained rate but you've made a commitment to fulfill the expectations of the portfolio especially like venture capital funds you know they they have they have uh they have lps that are invested in their fund that they have to answer to and so they're they're going to the the pressure goes up exponentially on you to to continue to grow and and uh and to grow quickly so they're and I. And there's also there's a lot of books out there and whatnot you can read up on but uh you know private equity money does not equal venture capital money does not equal angel investor money and so there are different expectations and really theses behind those portfolios that it would be good to understand and and uh be thoughtful about as, as you embark on fundraising
0: so um when you raised, uh, if you're like looking back on like when you had the money on hand and when you were like hiring people and trying to scale the uh, scare the business, like um, what were the things that you thought were like key takeaways from, from this phase in, in your life?
1: Um, I think it's really important to find a mentor early on, you know, because we didn't know what we were doing, really. We, we found anyone that had... in the business i i've I've become quite adept at linkedin stalking people and uh and just finding people that will sit and chat with you buy them a beer buy them a coffee you know walk their dog whatever it takes to get them to to sit down with you and then go in with strategic questions about how how they can help you and and what you want to glean from them but finding some and and i got lucky in that early on we had some investors, two women come on board. And one woman is a, a person, an, an amazing, she's an amazing uh, person, uh, a good friend now. And uh, she is, she is eternal optimist. And, you know, on the lowest of days and you just, you don't know how you're going to make payroll and you give her a call and she just boosts you up and get you there. Mm-hmm. And then, and then we had another person who was an eternal pessimist. And so... You know, when you think you've got the world by the tail and you're going to just go and kill it, well, then I would call her and get her to bring me back down to, to <laughs> earth. And so, so finding those people that can really help you uh, stay aligned and, and stay in that kind of middle ground, I think that's an important learning as well. You know, you get some excitement or you've got an investor who's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to write you a $100,000 check. Well, don't get too excited until that check is in the mail or in the bank and uh otherwise it's always in the mail um you know and so it's riding the highs and the lows but staying even and not riding the highs and the lows because if you go up too high you've got a long way to come back down and uh and and you've got to stick it out for the long haul so um no sense riding those waves uh instead just slow and steady wins the course and uh and and all the uh you know all the sayings around uh, it takes more money and it takes longer than you expect are absolutely true, uh, even though I didn't believe it at the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I also think that over overconfidence can cause a lot of problems. But um, what you just said about like mentors or like coaching or, or something like that, I think is also like very, very important because like I'm personally like in my age, I'm very, very young and uh, I wouldn't be like in the position that I'm now in uh, where we are scaling with massive numbers working with people who have making like 100 million 50 million in sales um when i didn't if i wouldn't be talking to people like you like learning from people like you learning from very very successful people people who have been there done that who made millions and millions uh, millions of dollars in sales so um i think that um a lot of people like um they really tend to underestimate the effect of like having the right environment talking to the right people listening to the right people reading the right books and um but i also think it's really really important if you are like having mentors in your life if you are like having people you can reach out to for advice and talk to on on a personal level um i think it's also very very important that you still think for yourself because um looking back on my life right now i i'm very very glad that um, a lot of pieces of advice that I received over the years, I, I that I didn't execute them. So I think um, a lot of advice that quote unquote successful people g- give you, um, a lot of them, uh, a lot of the advice is perfectly fine and it's very very sound and, and great. But but also like um, there there are also things where people became successful despite like following certain things or believing in certain things. So I think you really, really have to be aware of that.
1: Yeah. I I think it's also good to get a lot of different opinions
0: and then form
1: your own. Use that information to help you know and trust your gut because, but, but, but inform your gut and then, and then make those decisions. And you know what I love about your approach and how thoughtful and, and, smart you are but i also think your generation is is being more thoughtful about sustainability and what we're doing yes. to the planet and what where you know finding out who, where you're putting your dollars and what those people are doing with the dollars you you put there and so um so i'm 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 really uh hopeful about uh about uh, where we're headed in that in that regard
0: yes um so could you please speak about like um what are the things that you are nowadays like business-wise that you are thinking about a lot? Like what are the problems that you are having right now? Like what are the things that you are working on strategizing on thinking about? Could you please speak to that? I think our listeners would love to hear that.
1: Sure. Well, we are about seven years in. And so we, we did close a series B round of funding last year. We have great partners based in the UK, uh, that are, are not like a tip, typical VC and then it's growth for the sake of growth. Instead, they've really helped us focus in on our profitable core and, and build a strategy around profitability uh, while also leaving room for growth in, outside of that profitable core. And so we've, been, we've spent the last year really uh, refining our team, making sure we have the right people in the right positions, adding to our team We have a new COO who started last week. And uh, so all of our efforts are looking at change management because change is good and also looking at a a scalable strategy and what that looks like. You know, the level of sophistication where we are now is mind blowing to me when I look at where we've Mm -hmm. come. And, uh, you know, we have two analysts uh, full-time on staff. And and so the metrics and the data and the KPIs and the (laughs) level of detail is just really astonishing. And so we're going to use that to our advantage as we scale. And so efficiencies, there are always opportunities to improve your efficiencies and to uh, tell your story better and expand into new channels. So, I've, uh, I've spent the last year learning how to be a CEO. Uh, the, prior to that, I was just a co-founder, even though I had the title. And, uh, and now I'm watching uh, my wife uh, step out of the role of CEO and uh, just got rid of all of her direct reports. And, and I'm a little jealous, but, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, all for the better of the business and how we scale and grow and, and take it to where, what we think our potential is.
0: Got it. And um, what I would love to hear, like, personally, why? because uh, we are also, like, scaling our business right now. And I think, like, at a certain point, like, you are very used to knowing everything about your business <laughs> and having, like, all the data and knowing all the processes. And basically, you can always jump in and do certain things by yourself. But eventually, if you are scaling to, like, six, seven figures and above that, you you recognize, okay, like, I don't know anything about like certain aspects of my business. Like, so, so how are you dealing with that? Could you please speak about that?
1: Yeah, it's been interesting because um, I've always been very um, talented at delegation. So that hasn't been a particularly <laughs> challenging, challenging for me, but my wife has been much more in all of the details of things. And so uh, that's, that's this past year has been challenging in that she's so in the details and would, and, and, you know, her challenges were, were barred in those details. And so we would have to, to have conversations where I, I don't want to get pulled into the details. My role as a CEO is to stay in, in in the higher level. And so that's been an an interesting for us to navigate. And, um, and as we go forward and now, especially, you know, I mentioned, we, hired a COO last week and, you know, she's got so, her level of, of understanding of, of what we're doing and what we're building and her background in apparel, we've never had that on our leadership team and in the, in the, in the skill set that she brings. And, you know, here we are six days in and I'm already going, wow, okay, there's so much I don't know and so much <laughs> that's going on. And, I, and I, for me, it's just a letting go. It's, it's, uh, it's letting go and letting the business be what it can be and, uh, and, and hiring the right people to take it there and then getting out of their way. Uh, you know, Naomi and I have, uh, have had numerous conversations now around the best thing for the business right now is for us to stay out of the way.
0: Yes, and um, I think this is very hard for entrepreneurs at first but I think it's like very very important but also I think like a lot of uh, entrepreneurs they have like this big big misconception that they think they have to uh, understand how to do everything but I think like at a certain point I had the realization that it's not really about like how to do everything it's really about like who are the people that I can bring in that has the skills that has the capabilities that know how to do certain things so um, I think like when you have like money if you have the funds if you can hire people it's not so much that you need to know like how to do everything but it's way way more about like who are the people that you need to bring in so
1: a hundred percent and then i think that a good indicator of uh, of uh, your success at that point becomes how uh, succinctly can you get them to update you so that you have enough of the high level information. Uh, My team now knows I like pictures. I like pictures and I like one slide. And so uh, that's, uh, you know, that's challenging for these people that want to get into the details, which is what you hired them for. So then to be able to, to, uh, to uh, kind of um, level that up into a, a easy, simple, very simple. I keep everything very simple of how we talk about it, because then we can go back and and work with our board members and, and, and stay on the high-level stuff, that then we turn back over to them for implementation. And so, and that's really the role that I see as the CEO, as the company has evolved, to where, where uh, that's, that's my biggest value add at this point, is keeping the, keeping the high-level details simple enough that we can be strategic and, and know what direction we need to go in, and then let the team get us there.
0: Um, so could you please also speak because I think uh, my pe- or, or our listeners they would love to hear this um, could you please also speak about like what do you think um, like having this experience now being in business being very very successful um, about like um, what do you think are like a few very big like misconceptions about business or maybe like old wife tales or like myths around business that you found out are like completely like wrong? And, um, yeah, like maybe share with us like a couple of insights that you think um, most entrepreneurs don't have, but are like highly, highly valuable. So, uh, could you please speak to that?
1: Sure. First of all, it's, it's not easy and I don't know if people believe that it is easy, but it is not easy and it is all consuming. I also think, um, that this notion and and it might be a little controversial, but around work life balance. That to me is, I've you know I've said before that mediocrity is the fulcrum of work-life balance, and to (laughs) me it's more important to go all in on both. You know, live as hard as your life as hard and and fully as you can, and work your life as hard and fully as you can, and and I think that you end up having a much um, happier life. And so uh, I, I I think it's important to also know that as an entrepreneur there are certain personalities that that entrepreneurism is not a good fit. And so figuring out if if you've got the the right fit, if you're good with change, if you're good with uh, uh, if you're good with um, with ambiguity and if you're good with thinking on your feet and uh, and uh, just kind of rolling with the punches, because it's it's a hard, hard life. And consuming when we first got into this i mean we lost friendships and we have we've, we've gained way more but it's it's interesting to see now the people we most want to spend time with and and enjoy are fellow entrepreneurs or people that that know the life of an entrepreneur because those people tend to a they're okay if you have to reschedule at the last minute or if you have to take a phone call in the middle of dinner And, uh, you know, they get it because they're living that life as well. And so it's, it's just a, it's a very different life, but it's incredibly rewarding and, and fulfilling for if, if it's, if it's the right fit for who you are.
0: Yes. And I think like we live in a culture where like everyone is encouraged to be an entrepreneur. And I think like, um, yeah, you really have to know like what you're getting yourself into. And I think there's also no shame in like trying to start a business and like finding out after a couple of months that, man, like I was like way happier at my nine to five. Like I think like people just have to be honest with themselves. I think like a lot of people, they want to fulfill certain um, ideas uh, or they, they want to like uh, become like a certain person, but they find out that, okay, they are very, very unhappy doing like the whole like I'm starting a business and trying to make a thing and um, I think like like what you've said about hard work of that it can be really challenging. I also think that people really underestimate uh, how much energy and time and effort it takes to really eventually become quote unquote successful because um, I think like obviously there are people that, uh, that start a business and they have like the right product or the right service and they sell like to the right like market or to the right audience and they instantly hit it big. But those are like the, the lottery winners. So those are like most people like don't make any money whatsoever in the first couple of years. Most people are actually losing money. Um, so um, I think it's really important to be aware of, okay, um, it's it, it, it usually is really, really hard at first. But I think um, if you get to a certain point. Um, I really believe, and I've told this uh, multiple times on the podcast already, that a lot of people think it's very linear, that growth is always linear, and I think, like, if you Um, This sounds like maybe like a bit cheesy, but if you have like if you if you if you've learned about a million things and you've iterated and you've tried a lot of things and you you have like a very, very good understanding about business and entrepreneurship, I think it can actually then get very, very you can grow very, very fast. This has been true for me, at least Um, where I was like making like a little bit of money or mostly losing money for the first three years then I had like an quote unquote okay life and this year everything took off. So um, I think um, a lot of people think okay they make they, they are scrambling at first or it's very hard for a couple of years and then they make 5k and then they make uh, two years later 10k and then maybe 10 years later 50k or I don't know but but it's a very long year at a certain point. Uh, it has been true for me at least.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point, and and really, I think we're talking about your comfort with risk and what you're willing to do and and uh, what you're willing to give up, and and I also think it's a what your relationship to money is, And, uh, you know, uh, there a lot of people if if you're emotionally tied to whether you, how much money you have or whether you have it or not, then then that that kind of Indicates your risk tolerance might be lower. I mean, you know, I was I was uh, I was not of of the age where I could afford to take the risk that I did, but I believed in what we were doing, and uh, felt a sense of responsibility that I kind of took some um, risk that I know a lot of people wouldn't be comfortable with, and and that's okay. I mean, to your point, uh, we've got wonderful employees that are taking us to the next level. That could, you know, could never have done what we did, but they're going to take the company forward. And looking forward is we look at it and it's like, gosh, you know, I wouldn't want to be doing that job. But, you know, we got it here. So it's just that blend of, of all of the different people and capabilities and, and personalities that, that make it work. So we're, we're, we're very happy that everyone isn't an entrepreneur.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And um, I think, um, but having said that, I think it's the best time to become an entrepreneur. Like we live in an age where You have so much opportunities available. Like you can learn from the brightest and smartest people. Um, There are like so, so many books out there that cost like $10. There are so, so many like great YouTube channels or or podcasts that you can learn from. Um, There's so much capital around, like millions and millions of dollars and people who actually want to invest in great founders and great companies. And um, you can like basically you're an email away or a tweet away from connecting with everyone that you want to connect with. Um, I think uh, people don't really realize that if you just have an like if you just have a smartphone or if you just have like a MacBook around and you have an internet connection, like there's so much opportunity available. And I think like that um, um most people like what they think like there's like not so they think that there isn't so much opportunity available but what i think like is like the real problem is that most people don't really want to like um put the work in they don't really want to like reach out to people they don't want to create content they don't want to like try to get their first customer so i think like it's it isn't really like an opportunity problem or it isn't really a capital problem because i think those things are available but um yeah most people don't really want to put in the time and effort in um
1: yeah, no, I, I, you know, we are an information age and technology. We we wouldn't be where we are if Shopify hadn't come along. Uh, you know, if we'd yes. had to figure out how to hire engineers and develop a a commerce platform, that we it just wouldn't have happened. And so, uh, and then the apps that the APIs that you can plug in and and everything that you can dream of is already there. And so figuring it out and and yeah, YouTube and podcasts were incredibly important for our journey and our growth and figuring it out but you do have to dig into the to the fundamentals of of the business side of things uh and and not just you know it's it's one thing to have an etsy store it's another thing to have an etsy business
0: and um i've heard you said uh, on an interview that um what you learned about money is that you should like not be emotional about money, and I think this is like also like a great great takeaway for our listeners because um I think what I also learned because um I didn't have like I don't have like a very like coming from a very poor background or something because I was based uh. Born and raised in Germany, but um, I wasn't like like I don't come from a rich family or something. And when I first got into business, I was like charging way too less for my services, and I was Mm -hmm. totally amazed by getting certain paychecks. Where I look back on my life right now, like I don't know, like why I made such a big deal out of this, and I think this is like very very important for people to understand that um, uh, this sounds like a bit cheesy I think but for me not nowadays it's just numbers on the screen and if you like provide a lot of value if you if you can help a lot of people and if you sell a great service you can charge a lot of money for that and um, like looking back right now like when I first got like 5k a month or something for my services I was like this is life-changing money this is like crazy and <laughs> and 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 um, I think that if you, especially if you don't come from a quote-unquote rich background, I think people don't will, they they tend to underestimate like how much money is available because they are so emotional about money. Uh, this has been at least true for me.
1: Oh, I think that's right. And you know, we used to say it's only zeros, and so it's it's it really changes too as. You know, now that you've got the five thousand, then all of a sudden ten thousand is the holy yes. grail, and and it just continues, and yes. and and that's true. But if you're if you're just applying it in terms of of what you're building and the steady accumulation of that, and not it and not become emotionally invested in what that means or what it could mean, and and it, it I think it also comes back then to why you're doing it. Yeah. And so, if you're do- doing something just to make money, um, you know there are there are lots of opportunities for that. But if you're trying to build a business that's sustainable, that you that will be around for a while, that's a completely different thing as as well. I mean, there there are different ways that you can hustle. Uh, uh,
0: totally, and I think it's really important to also know, like like you've said, um, why you're actually doing what you're doing, because I think um um everyone has totally different motivations speaking for me I'm 100% money motivated but I also want to make a difference I also want to help people I also want to provide value and um, because as I, I wouldn't do this podcast like I could talk for you or with you on the phone personally or, right. or something like that like like we are doing this because we want to help people because we want to provide value so um, I think that that you really have to know like what your motivations are and I think that there's no right or wrong way like certain people are just money motivated certain mm-hmm. people they want to make a difference and they want to change the world and makes this world a better place and I think like if, if you really know like um, what motivates you I think you will stick with it in the long term because I think like a big problem is if for instance people are just money motivated um, if the money doesn't come in like I think you would just quit um, so I think like you really have to know your motivations.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah. Very well put. I I think that's a a very big deal and and it helps kind of you refine and keep it simple. My favorite thing.
0: So, um, Having talked about for the past hour or sp- spoke about like business for the past hour, could you also please speak about like the fashion side of your business and how you are thinking about fashion? So, uh, <laughs> please speak yeah, about Yeah, well, that.
1: it's underwear. Um, no, you, it, <laughs> it, you know, we, we. I remember when we were early on in raising money and we would go in and, and sit around these tables with all these white guys and, and uh, you know, they would <laughs> and, and explain to them about comfortable underwear. And, and they would say things like, uh, well, I, I don't get it. What's wrong with Victoria's secret. Well, now we know what's wrong with Victoria's secret and, uh, have seen, have seen the, the changing tides of, of society. And, um, and, and it's also, you know, fashion companies have often been aspirational in the sense that they want to, they want you to buy their stuff. So you'll be cool and or be beautiful or all of these things that that they want you to aspire to and we're we're not that we 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 think you're cool the way you are and we want you to feel good and confident and comfortable in in the clothes that you wear and so that's why we love that that you know we we found our hero product as as the first layer you put on when you go out into the world And so now as we're expanding and adding new products and new categories, uh, that will be in more in the fashion side of things with a, with a focus on comfort. Um, but you know, we, we have fun with our prints. Um, we really like to, to find ways to keep it true to the brand and keep it true to, to what it means to be tomboy. And so that's, that's what, um, you know, kind of the extent of it, uh, as we're expanding our categories, which we are looking at, um, you know, different, different, uh, product expansions where we, what you wear on the outside. So that'll be much more, um, fashion, fashion related, but our swimwear, for example, we don't have any bikinis. We don't have any, uh, any, anything that, uh, that is, uh, that revealing. We have stuff that you want to if you want to get on your paddleboard and not worry about uh, untucking things and, and get out there and, and swim, uh, swim with the sharks or whatever, um, you should come to Tomboy X. If If you're trying to look good for, for someone else, then uh, perhaps not.
0: Could you please speak about your values and um, how, because you've just said that you are thinking that people are just fine how they are. And I think this is like a great statement and it's very, very different, like you've said, from like all the, like other, like, for instance, high fashion brands um, that really want to sell people like they're associating themselves with all those very very beautiful people, all those beautiful places, and um, they they really try to like you said um, try to 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 make people feel a certain way about themselves. So um, yeah, could you please speak about that?
1: Well, I think you 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 nailed it right there in that trying to make people feel a certain way and. Look, we can't all have uh, you know perfect bodies and and, and <laughs> symmetrical, <laughs> symmetrical you know faces and and uh, it takes all kinds. There are lots of different different bodies and and uh, looks and and I think that if we focus only on appearances, that that somehow isn't good for us individually nor societally. Uh, yes. you know we, we are human beings, all of us, and that is a shared. Uh, something that we all share and that you can't take away. And so, you know, the differentiation or the divisiveness of what's good, what's bad, what's pretty, what isn't is, Mm. is all subjective and uh, it it centers around objectification. And I I don't think that that's, um, that's a helpful or really kind way to treat each other or the world. And so I think it's important that, that instead we focus on who we are as individuals as human beings and let that be the starting point and you know along comes a lot of shame personal shame and and feeling bad about yourself and then you know then it becomes this treadmill of of um uh, materialization and, and materialism that that uh also takes us into filling landfills with uh, fast fashion and and stuff like that so I, I think we have to just be very conscientious about what we're doing to the human psyche and how we and how we're treating each other and how we're treating the planet. And, you know, hopefully as we evolve technologically, we can also evolve um, psychologically and and not put that kind of pressure on ourselves or each other and and really focus on on the, the humanity.
0: Yes, and um, this is like a, a big problem that I personally have with the self help industry, and I'm I'm part of the problem. But um, they, 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 the the self help industry basically always tells people you're wrong. You you have to be, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to behave in a certain way. Like you should meditate, you should read every day, and there's nothing wrong with those things. Like I'm personally reading a lot, but um, it's just about like making people feel bad about themselves or telling them that just the way you are is, is wrong and i think um i think at the end of the day like you can change certain things about yourself but um at the end of the day you are who you are like you have certain interests you have certain desires um you have certain strengths and weaknesses certain unique capabilities that other people don't have things where you just aren't that good at and um, I think um, it's accepting yourself it's like a message that isn't really much talked about on social media and um, especially like with the whole like Instagram thing where like also I'm part of the problem (laughs) where people are (laughs) displaying their lifestyle and um, you see like all those people like living the life I think like people getting into this like whole like self comparison mode and especially like I see this with girls in my age where they're like comparing themselves with Instagram models who are using like so much like Facetune or Photoshop and filters and um, so I think that um, in this day and age that acceptance isn't really much talked about. And I think it's very, very important because I think that um, there's, like a lot of strength, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of strengths in, in, in accepting yourself. For instance, uh, talking about myself personally. I always thought it's I know this sounds like maybe like I'm humble bragging or something, but I always thought it's a weakness that I'm so curious and that I always tend to love to read because I I always hated to do the actual work. And I much rather would love to read and study and learn and do all those things. But now in my point, I'm like, man this was the greatest habit in my whole life like like educating myself all the time for years and years and years like this is like where this put me in a position where i'm now in a, at, like being in my mid 20s having these people like working with those big brands because i'm 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 learning i'm reading charlie manga learning from billionaires like um reading so so much philosophy uh, trying to learn so much about science history a lot of different things and um and and I always thought that oh yeah because I'm not the type who is like always in the trenches always working like a hundred hours like I much rather study that it's a weakness but I, uh, now, in my point, I think, okay, there are per- people who, who who work a lot harder than me, but what I found out is that, okay, that at a certain point, your, your, uh, your decision-making capabilities and your judgment is way, way, way more important than how much you are working. Like, at a certain point, you have people in place that can just do the work, so you don't actually have to work all the time. So, um, I think that, and this might be a silly example, but um, I think that... Um, It's really, really important to find out, okay, like, what are your strengths? And I think especially in this day and age where you have so much opportunity available, like, you can, like, create like a YouTube channel I had one guy on my podcast who has a YouTube channel about ants and he's like talking about ants all the time and his YouTube channel has 4 million followers <laughs> he has like one one YouTube channel where he's doing like comedy skits and stuff and he had just, has, just has like 1 million followers on his comedy channel and 4 million followers on his ant channel so I think like if, if you have like weird hobbies if you have weird passions like you can create a career out of that so yeah, accept yourself. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think that's it. Unapologetically accept yourself and, and, uh, and, and own that. And I'm glad you brought up curiosity because that is the number one trait of a successful entrepreneur, I believe, is curiosity and just being able to, to that craving, that hunger for more information or more knowledge around whatever it is. And, uh, you know, that's, that's individual for all of us which I think is, is really interesting. And then another thing that you made me think about is, you know, looking at there are a lot of brands that are scrambling now to try to get on the inclusivity train and yeah. they aren't doing it because they believe <laughs> it's the right thing to do. They're doing it because they think that they can make more money. Yes. And so, uh, and, and so I think it's, it's also, you know, important for us to think about or to consider the reasons that that corporations are doing the things that they're, they're doing as well so so that questioning that curiosity now why is that whereas we did it from the very beginning because we believe that it's the right thing to do
0: yeah and i think um but you also i think really know your target audience i think like Probably like your customer base, like selling like high fashion things for, I don't know. Um, I don't know uh, because I'm not like, uh, I don't really know your target audience like you probably do. But um, I think it wouldn't really fly with them, right? Like if you would be selling like those Gucci Louis Vuitton goods. So No,
1: no, no, no. They would (laughs) not like that. They want dinosaurs (laughs) on their underwear. That's what I can tell you. (laughs) (laughs)
0: so um um could you because um i think what also is like a very very because we are talking about values and 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 those sort of things i think um could you please speak about like a couple of values that you have around like business fashion and life
1: you know i i just i'm i'm a little bothered by the cancel culture that's kind of happening um And, and uh, you know, I just watched that uh, documentary, Social Dilemma, and, it, you know, it reminded me of something you said earlier in terms of, of uh, you know, the technology, the stuff that's being built and how it's being built and how it's impacting our lives on a grander scale. Um, and and I, th- I think that it's, it's just we need to make the world less divisive. We need to make the world more compassionate and uh, be kinder to ourselves and each other. And the more that we try to cancel our uh, anyone else's experience um, is it takes us further away from a better and deeper understanding of of how the world could be and and what's okay. And and I think that's led to a lot of the political upheaval, a lot of the, you know, everyone taking a stance around what they think is right and not having conversation and not being able to have conversation because. There's there's just something about the social media and the different platforms and this judgment and uh, and uh, better than that that has caused something that I, I think we need to try and, and and change and and get back some of that that personal connection. Yeah,
0: and I I totally agree with you on that. I think um, it's like I don't like the word, but um, I think like the whole. Cancer culture tends to be like very toxic because, um, like, if someone is behaving like differently on social media, like everyone is jumping in and telling them, "Oh, you should do this and you should do that," but I think this really kills like the diversity. This really kills creativity. Mm -hmm. Um, I think this is like what 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 kind of problems this whole cancer culture is, is creating like long term I think um, it's very very terrible and I think um, also like uh, especially like in, in the black community I think like people are like so sensitive um, mm-hmm. not that there's racism obviously there's racism obviously there's hate against certain groups of people but i also tend to think that um, black people are like very very sensitive around like certain things like what i saw on twitter on social media where people were outraged about certain things i was like man do you have nothing else going on in your life so um.
1: <laughs> yeah i think i think it's hard um you know Again, if, if you come from a, a particular culture or ethnicity or uh, sexual orientation and have been kind of pummeled for so long and, and quieted and silenced to uh, finding power, I think that there are some stumbles and there are some challenges along the way. Um, so I, I think that, uh, yeah, we, we've, we've, we'll, we'll get there, but it's it's going to take a lot of us um, speaking up and, and fighting for what's right and what's wrong, but doing it from a place of, of how do we get better together is, I, I think, really important.
0: And what do you think... Um what do you think caused this whole cancer culture? Because I think this is like a new phenomenon on, on social media. So what do you think are the forces behind that?
1: I don't know. It, I, I guess I, <laughs> I go to tribalism and, you know, we're such a competitive, uh, you know, you pick your team, you're Manchester, or, you know, what, what it? Well, yeah. who's your team and you get behind it and then yeah. you, you're going to, you know, die on the sword defending that and and uh and so i i really think that that's part of it and and it's got to be a part of human nature because it's certainly been around you know where we where we pick a side and but i do think that the anonymity of social media has exacerbated it in that you're not having a, a personal conversation you're typing out two or three you know vile statements on a on a feed and then you go on a, about and have your breakfast or whatever so there isn't any real immediate consequence to you and you're not you're not expected to have a dialogue but you can just spew your ideas out there or or your criticisms out there and defend your side or your ideas right or wrong and there's no room for discussion just because that's not the platform
0: yeah and um could you please also speak about like how are you thinking about like the whole like cancer culture when it comes down to like gay people or um the gay community and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, I I, I think it. Uh, you know, we we've had some experience, and I think there are two things. I think that when when again when you when you're giving a microphone to a group of people that have been oppressed or haven't had a, an opportunity to speak or there's momentum um, where they're coming together in a big way. And then like us, we're a brand that is coming out and, and saying that we're inclusive and that we, that we want to be thoughtful about that. And so sometimes we uh, hear from people that don't see enough of themselves. And so then they call us that we're not being inclusive enough or and it's like, well, we can't have every ad be just about you because we're we're bigger (laughs) than that. And, and so, and, and, you know, and and it's, it's crazy and, and it's hurtful (laughs) and it's harmful. Um, And so you've got people that, that have that expectation because of what we're saying. And, and we're good with that because, you know, we want to be pushing the boundaries and the envelope and and challenging people. But, uh, but it's, it's certainly been painful to be on the receiving end of cancel culture that, you know, people make assumptions So, oh, or what I've really seen and that's which is alarming is that someone posts something and everyone jumps on it as if that is the absolute truth and don't want to hear or don't even (laughs) acknowledge that there's another perspective. You know, you can sit down and if you've ever sat down and tried to mitigate between two friends that had a differing opinion, they have very different perspectives on what happened and, and what they're uh, what what their experience of it was. So it isn't it isn't one sided. It's never completely one sided in in uh, in in any regards.
0: So. Um... We, we we've talked about business, fashion, uh, values. Um, when we started this conversation, you said uh, it, it it wasn't or, or or it isn't really about fitting in. So uh, let's take this conversation on a personal side. Could you please speak to that and um, yeah, um, speak about like how your life decisions influenced you personally and 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 yeah how you are thinking about like being a contrarian because i think you are a contrarian so uh yeah please speak about that
1: well my mother would certainly agree with you on that one um
0: uh, <laughs>
1: you know uh i i grew up an army brat and so we moved around a lot and so uh, in fact we lived in germany for a couple of years my brother was born oh. there my mother speaks fluent german And so, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And so um, I think that learning how to fit in and and seeing and and having experiences in a lot of different cultures was was a real blessing uh, in in the sense that I got to experience things that were outside of uh, if I'd stayed in in the small town in Alabama where I was born. And so um, I'm really grateful for that opportunity but also moving around you know when you first move around and you've got that southern accent and you've got to get rid of that because you get teased and, and mocked but you're but but always being an outsider um, we didn't always go to military bases and live we often lived almost all, exclusively lived outside of the military base so we'd be coming into new new situations and you know people can be harsh and they can be mean and and uh, and judgmental and so having experienced that and carrying that forward and then coming out in my early 20s um, that and, and How seeing... How was that well, for you? That was, it, was a, it was a challenge, you know, for me at the moment. Times I was were different, different, right? Yeah, things were, well, very different. and very different. Uh, Yeah, very different than they are now. And, uh, and so coming out and, and being able to, you know, understand that personally what had happened was an awakening, and and an acceptance of who I am. It's it like, oh, so much makes sense now. And, um, and that not being greeted uh, within my friends and what family.
0: What did makes sense?
1: Oh, gosh, you know, uh, <laughs> it was just uh, people felt like, uh, I know my parents were concerned that I would lead a miserable life. And I'm like, but we're so gay. And, um, you know, they, they had misconceptions about what it was like, uh, you know, a lot of the books and stories at the time were were just about what a horrible, awful existence gay people lived. Um, and, and so that was just uninformed. And, um, also, you know, looking at it, uh, I I can't remember what year, but it wasn't, it was in the seventies that the, the diagnosis, the DSM three, uh, it was in a three, I don't know what number they're up to now, but it was a psychological, you know, considered a mental illness. And so there were a lot of misconceptions. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. And so, um, so yeah, there were, there was a lot of stigma around it, but, but it felt true to me and I was, um i How was uh, contentious that? enough uh you know it, it, at first it was it was a challenge um and so you know there were drugs and alcohol at the plenty in, in the 70s and 80s and so um <laughs> there was a time that that i pro- kind of uh you know took to numbing the the feelings i had around rejection but at the same time i also early on got involved in uh Becoming an activist and changing the world and so got involved in politics and the human rights campaign um, setting up uh, the first I was on the steering committee for the first human rights campaign uh, here in Seattle and that kind of led me into politics and my career before I um uh, decided to open a an apparel company. Was in politics, and I was uh, producing political ads for Democrats nationwide, and uh, really wanted to to make a change because I felt like um, um, people just needed education and awareness. And you know, it's interesting because a lot of people, when the gay rights movement was first beginning um, around marriage equality, a lot of uh, a lot of the activists felt like it was important to. To uh, explain the fairness, the fairness and the unfairness of, um, you know, economically. And in the end, what one was the fact that love is love. And that's what resonated with people. It wasn't whether or not my spouse or girlfriend would get my Social Security. It was just more the fact that I should be able to love who I want. And so as, as people started coming out and talking to their neighbors and their family and telling their experience, that's when we saw a big societal shift. Whereas the talking about the, the economic rights and the health insurance and that stuff didn't resonate with people. So it was really when you started speaking to their heart that, that that made a difference.
0: Yeah, And I think like, especially like in this day and age, like people are, when it comes to topics like that, I think uh, way more accepting. Like speaking for me personally, um, like like my parents always had like four friends that were gay. So I was like, I knew gay people like from being four years old. So for mm-hmm. me, it was like not a big deal at all. And um, I think like people are way, way more accepting like nowadays. But um, for you personally, I think like the 70s sounded like hell probably. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yes and no, because I was also, you know, finding myself and, and that whole yeah. notion of being true to oneself and figuring that out, I think is it, it was it was critical and it was really um, an amazing amazing time for me to I, and i'm and I'm grateful i'm I still feel very blessed. Uh, I feel like I coming out was a was a real awakening in terms of uh, this injustices of the world and and being othered and i I feel like that you know it's it's helped me um, be much more insightful and uh, have a more Um, enlightened view of of uh, inequities and social injustices
0: yeah and um i think that um probably like in your story i think this like having dealt with rejection in your life, I think this probably also helped you a lot like when it comes down to starting a business because I think like, um, especially like we as entrepreneurs, we tend to underestimate like how much rejection like starting a business involves. <laughs> like my mom for a fact saw that I was crazy like in the first couple of months and my family as well. And uh friends like were like oh yeah like ruining your life you should just like, <laughs> continue like because i uh quit my my i was studying like business administration back then and, um, they saw that you should just study and be happy with where you are right now, and uh, looking back right now, it was like the best decision in my life to quit studying and quit my job and but but, um, I think that that a lot of people they think that everyone is clapping for you when you become an entrepreneur, <laughs> but um most people I've talked to, I think the complete opposite has been the case because um. People, um, they, 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 I think because they don't have the personal experience being an entrepreneur, I think um, they can't really relate to that. It's for them like a very exclusive kind of person or a very special person, quote unquote, that can become an entrepreneur. And I think, yes, becoming an entrepreneur isn't for everyone. But still, um, I think that people underestimate that people from all sorts of life, can become entrepreneurs i've talked to founders who like built their first company when they were in their 50s i've talked to people mm-hmm. who who built their first company when they were like 16 years old so um yeah i think that if you have dealt with rejection at a certain point in, in your life i think this can really be helpful for you if you start a business
1: absolutely you know believing in yourself and and again trusting your gut and uh Following your curiosity to, to try and figure things out and being able to not be so focused on what you think is the right way, but being open to um, yeah. what, what differences that there might be so that you can, you know, take the turns and, and uh, curves where, where they come up.
0: And could you please also speak about, like, the political side? Because you've said that you were, like, very, very, like, um, politically engaged back then. And could you please speak about that? And and how are your thoughts about, like, politics right now? Like, are you still involved in politics? And, uh, yeah, please get into that.
1: You know, I feel like um, that it's important for companies and corporations to take a stance around um Injustices that they see in the world uh, yeah. as a company, we don't get involved in certain candidates, but we get involved yeah. with certain campaigns around. Uh, you know, we, we, we made a $50,000 investment in the BLM movement um, when oh. and when George Floyd was killed and we get involved in in uh, protecting a woman's uh, right to choose. And so. If, you know, we're making money um, from people. We want people to know what we stand for and what and, and who we are so that there's a transparency there. And um, I think that that's important to kind of take away or add the humanity to corporations and, and people who are running it. And I think it's equally important for um consumers to take a look at, at uh, where the corporations that they're supporting are putting their
0: money. I, I love what you just said because I think this is like a great lesson for everyone who is listening to this because um, I think it isn't just the right thing to do, but I think it's also just good business. For instance, um, speaking about my own personal experience because um at first i try to please everyone i try to like have everyone listening to my podcast i've tried to get like everyone i could get on the show and what i found out is that it's really an ineffective way to go about running your business because um what you find out when you have experience and I think it's easy to say right now and it's very hard if you are like very like living in this whole like scarcity mindset where you are relying on like having podcast listeners or having customers Um, but, but I think it's really an ineffective way to go about your life because at a certain point you just realize man, There's so much abundance out there, there are so many people, I can't talk to all the people that I really want to talk to. Like I have to reject people, I have to say no, I have to um, stand up for something and and really make sure that I'm talking to people that I actually want to talk to. Um, I can't please everyone with my podcast. Like I'm actually like just a very, very specific type of person is interested in listening to those kind of conversations that we are having right now. So I it's just better business for me to say, hey, this show is for high achievers and entrepreneurs who want to achieve great things in their life, who want to like live a fulfilling life, uh, create a great business. Like I have to reject people. I have to have... I have to to set my values or to tell people my values and the same goes with with business. I think that um, at a certain point you just realize that you don't have to work with everyone. You don't have to accept everyone as a client. You don't have to, like everyone who can pay you, you don't have to accept them uh, working with you. If people are treating others in a bad way, I don't want to be associated with them. If there's sprouting nonsense and if they're angry on social media, I don't want to be associated with them. Is there believing in in crazy cults or they're, I don't know, selling Get rich quick programs and making millions doing that. Like, I don't want to be associated with them. So, um, I think it's just good business long term because what I found out is that, especially like smart people, they're always looking for signals of like wh- what type of person is this? Is this like a very long term thinking pe- person who is around like for the next 25, 10, five years? Or is this like a very short term thinking person who just wants to make a quick buck, who just wants to. Sell like get rich quick programs, or who who just wants to make like a certain amount of money, and then they're like, um, then they then they are like nowhere. Um, so so I think it's really, really important to, to, yeah, stand up for what you believe in because uh, it's actually way, way easier to attract the right people. What I found out is when I set standards for everything in my life, like opportunities were just coming in. I was having so mm. many great conversations on my podcast because I was only talking to people that I really want to talk to, who share my values, who believe in things that I believe in. And sure, it's important that people – that you also talk to people who – um, have different opinions who have different viewpoints who have different perspectives but um I think it's yeah having standards and and living a bias is just like very very important and it makes life a lot easier um,
1: it's always good to to focus for sure and but it, it also goes beyond uh, beyond that in in our supply chain we make sure that our workers ha- are getting a, a a fair living wage we make sure that the factory owners that we work with share our values and so that takes a little bit of extra effort even our our 3pl where you know the where our uh, distribution centers do they have a policy that uh, uh of non-discrimination that includes the lgbtq community yeah. and are they paying people a, a decent wage are their hours good do they get you know they have adequate lighting oh, and ventilation it. all of those things that, that require a little bit of extra attention along the way, but they're congruent with our values and, and what we want to be, the difference that we want to be making as we grow and expand that can, that can be larger. And, you know, we've turned away uh, businesses that didn't, couldn't um, show us their policy on uh, LGBTQ inclusion. And, uh, and actually uh, we, one of the ones that we turned away uh, the guy who was working with, he was shocked that there, his company didn't have it. And uh, <laughs> six months later, he sent me the policy that that uh, they had implemented. And so it's that kind of change that, that we can yeah, love make in the world.
0: Yes. And um, I think that also that um, if you if you have the right virus, I think it's also like a, it's, it, it's also like long term. Like the weight, white decision for you. Like, for instance, to give you an, uh, a concrete example, um, if you, if you, if you, like, for me speaking personally, um, I've turned down people where I knew that I couldn't deliver certain results for them in the marketing space. And I said, look, like, this, because of this, this, and that reason this isn't the right fit, like, go to this guy and he will be a way better fit. This agency will be way better for you. And what happened to me is that people were so amazed by my honesty that they referred me to, to other uh, to friends of theirs. So um, I think that it's just the right decision also long term. Um, if you, for instance, what I found out is I think a lot of people have this misconception about negotiating It's that it's really about, like, trying to get the most out of the deal, and what I found out is it's completely the opposite. The best deal makers they try to set a fair deal for everyone because they know that they they are in it for the long haul. They want to work with you for five years, ten years, three years, I don't know, and uh, they know that if they if they if they get. Uh, way too much de- uh, way uh, too good deal for themselves and the worst deal for the other person, that the other person will be unhappy and that it will cause like a chain of problems uh, uh, over the next couple of weeks and months. So um, I think like that really thinking through your decisions, like thinking about the consequences of the consequences is really, really important. And what I found out is that being like honest and ethical is like mm-hmm. long term, like way, way more profitable than being short sighted and trying to make the most money in the next three months. Um, Obviously, like short term, being honest is not that profitable, else everyone would be honest, and most people (laughs) aren't. But uh, long term, I think it definitely is the case.
1: Yeah, I think at the end of the day, what you have is your integrity and your authenticity. And if you're living true to that, then you're going to feel better about yourself, but also... Uh, what you're leaving in the world, the legacy that, that you leave behind. But I think you're really smart to think about the long-term play because, uh, you know, it, it, I, I think a lot of times we can forget that, uh, especially when we're younger and we're focused on the here and now. But uh, it's those relationships and uh, especially with social media, what it is. I'm grateful it wasn't around when I was a kid. No telling what kind of trouble I'd have gotten into, but, uh, you know, this stuff, there's a lot of stuff that you put out there that's there for eternity. And so, uh, being conscientious and thoughtful about what you're putting out there and the impact you're making and, and, uh, how you're making other people feel, I think is, is, uh, is, is part of your legacy.
0: Yeah. And, um... Could you please speak about like um, the, the policies that you think that companies should have, uh, quote unquote, should have in place? Like, what do you like really really believe in, and what kind of like policies do you see in certain companies where you think okay, like th- those things are outdated? Um.
1: I think we, I, I think it's important that we take responsibility for the footprint or not only our carbon footprint, but, uh, how we're treating people and what, how we're, how that trickles into their lives, because how, how people feel about themselves is, uh, is, is it permeates what they do and everywhere they go. Uh, you know, it's that whole thing of status. And so treating people with kindness and respect and dignity, uh, Pays forward uh, in everything that they do, so I, I think that that's important, you know. And, and it's also important to make sure your employees are taken well taken care of. We we've offered health insurance to our employees since day one that we paid for, and uh, and and so I think that's just a value that Naomi and I share, and we wanted to make sure our employees are taken care of, and then sharing in the profit. Uh, that that was always a value that. We- important but also our impact on the environment our impact on quality of you know we focus on making such good quality fabrics and work with quality fabrics and and the fit is is good that it lasts so that it won't up, end up in a landfill but uh, will last for years and years so just that kind of responsibility for not only your happiness, but the happiness of people that work for you and and uh, and and uh, your impact on the environment and uh, in, in, in every regard, but also in policy and in uh, what you get involved in to to help progress the world to get to a better place.
0: Yeah, I love this. And um, especially like what you've said about like employees, this, this is, I think. Um, where also like especially like young entrepreneurs are very influenced by the whole like Silicon Valley culture where they are like very very demanding when it comes down to their employees and again like short term yes like having your people like work all the time working 80 hours is like very very profitable for you but I think like if you really think it through like on the uh, in the uh, thinking about like the long term it's actually like a terrible decision like people will be unhappy uh, they won't be as productive when they're working um probably like you will burn out a lot of people people will switch companies um then you have to train new staff and hiring new staff is very very costly and it's very very inefficient so when you really think it through it's complete bs so um i think um, it's really really important to take care of your employees and also what you said about like um being responsible about like taking care of all the people giving back. Um, I'm I'm also like a very, very big believer uh, in that because um, I know for a fact that um, I feel very, very appreciative and grateful for the position that I'm in right now. So um, we've donated to to organizations such as Pencil of Promise, uh, Falk Cancer. Uh, operation underground railroad so um i i think that that if you are in a position when you can give back when you are in a position where you can help others where you can make an impact you definitely definitely should because um i think that most people um don't care about those things and they are just we live in this day and age like you have said it's so much about appearance it's so much about status it's so much about like status signaling oh yeah what kind of car you're driving how much money are you making and um, I think that we tend to not speak about those issues we tend to not speak about like giving back the environment um, we, we should have way way more conversation around that so
1: yeah I, I think that's right. and uh, and it just uh, it it permeates through everything that you do and everything that you touch because you know when you're when you're building something or creating something and putting something out there, you do it's important to take responsibility for that impact.
0: So um could you please speak about like what are for you right now? Um, the most exciting topics that fascinate you the most, or where you get the most energy or motivation from. So, uh, yeah.
1: Well, I've, I, uh, I'm I'm really excited uh, to continue to help fellow entrepreneurs, especially uh, um, women and, and uh, minorities, so that uh, I, I believe uh, my my latest soapbox very much is around economics and wealth being the the true uh, way to gender and uh, um, racial equities and i think that for too long um, we haven't been in a position of of having the access to that uh, those opportunities and i don't think that uh, the system is really going to change until we uh, write that imbalance, and so Uh, I'm excited to see all of the there are a lot of different funds happening that are uh, more focused on uh, gender equity and helping um, uh, minority founders get a get a step up and and people being conscientious and cognizant of of those uh, inequities so that we can can uh, work to level that playing field so. Uh, that that's where I'm spending a lot of time. I'm mentoring a lot of entrepreneurs. Uh, also, in in uh, have a, you know working with a, a couple of investment funds that uh, have a focus on on uh, the type of people that I think that we should be helping get a step ahead.
0: So uh, at the end, I always ask five questions to every podcast guest. But um, before I ask those five questions, um, could you please share with us like. I love this episode, but we have been all over the place. So, um, <laughs> what would you what would you say to our listeners at this point in our conversation? We we've spoke, we've talked about so so many I think very very important things like how to start a company, how to scale a company, um, values, um, politics, um, rights, um, the environment. Like, what kind of things would you would you love to say to to everyone who's listening to this? Anything you want to highlight? Anything you want to mention right now? Um, yeah, what comes to mind? So,
1: sure. Well, I, I think that uh, that they're on the right track if they're listening to podcasts like this and and finding yeah. ways to to uh, to increase their knowledge and curiosity because it's all very thought provoking. Uh, so taking notes and, and learning from this and and challenging yourself. I think uh, you know, hats off to people who are doing that and. Um, it gives me a lot of hope for the future and uh, and the y- the young people. So I, I appreciate the opportunity.
0: <laughs> so uh, could you please tell everyone where they can find you on social media, buy your stuff, uh, connect with you, work with you, and so on and so forth?
1: Absolutely, tomboyx.com is our website, and we do we've shipped to forty nine countries, so we are international. We're working on. Uh, Ways to improve that experience uh, next year, and we also are on uh, Instagram at TomboyX, X, Twitter is at uh, TomboyExchange, Exchange, and I'm uh, F Dunaway on Twitter, just F D U N A W A Y.
0: So, uh, the first out of the five questions is, uh, what are the three books that had the greatest influence on your life?
1: Oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> beloved by Toni Morrison was probably uh, had a tremendous impact on me um, just the way she writes and the, the beauty even though it was a very difficult subject I would find myself reading re- reading and rereading paragraph after paragraph because it was just so beautiful the way she puts words together was just incredibly magical and um I would say a, another one would be um, the hard thing about hard things and, and uh, yeah. in I think I've that just that's read a, it
0: two weeks ago oh is that <laughs> right
1: yeah, yeah. It's, it's a great book it's a really helpful put perspective and um, gosh I guess I would have to I mean I I, I uh, to go through and say the top 3 but I'll I'll bring one more current um okay. currently listening to uh the born a criminal by Trevor Noah okay. and uh wonderful book he's uh, just the story uh, popular top. book right yes well yeah I guess it's a couple of years old uh just came across my radar recently but um I just think it's a, a wonderful story about uh overcoming uh adversity and uh, learning how to make a positive impact and and also, you know, finding the humor and in in, uh, in humanity. So, uh, that that's one I would highly recommend.
0: Second question: um, What are the three movies that you have enjoyed the most?
1: Well, growing up, I was a repeat watcher of The Sound of Music. I practically know all of the words to the not just the songs but the movie, and. Uh, <laughs> My grandfather and I used to watch it, and I would love watching him cry at all the right moments. Um, it's yeah, the, the sound of music had a tremendous impact on me, and and then that got replaced as I got older with the other musical, which was Hedwig and the Angry Inch. And so um, funny, they both have a, kind of a, some uh, Germ- German German uh, yeah. influence. Uh, so those are those are two wonderful movies. And then I also am a big fan of. Vim vendors and um, and uh, he's he's got what it, blanking on what's it's that angel. about? It's uh really it's about life and and uh and and faith and um and kindness and and uh, it's uh City of Angels I think it's called and uh, mm. just a a really powerful moving visual visually impactful
0: movie. Third question what is the most useful product or service that you have bought in recent memory? And people mentioned like completely like very like silly things, like Uber eats or like <laughs> nothing like very special. So um, kitchen knives. So feel yeah, yeah. free to speak about it. Anything that comes to mind.
1: My first thought went to, we've got you uh, new laundry detergent called drops and it comes in these little it's a you know all (laughs) biodegradable low impact got rid of the big heavy jugs of plastic and and so they come in a you know recycled cardboard box and you just drop the drops in this little bag that they give you and throw it in the washer and so and then it's on a subscription so it's always there when you need it um so that was pretty pretty amazing uh i I think that
0: particular brand for people in the it, U.S.? It's
1: called Drops, D R O P P. Drops. Okay. drops. Mm-hmm. And they also, they do some other things as well. Um, and then I, I think that the whole notion of subscription is is something that, that I find to be a, a wonderful thing, that things just arrive. Um, in fact, you know, when the whole pandemic hit and everyone was worried about toilet paper, well, I guess I had signed up for subscription for toilet paper and didn't know it. And so, and I kept forgetting to, I, I, a box would arrive and I would think, gosh, did I order more toilet paper? seems like we have some. And so I would put it in the, you know, in the closet and whatnot. So I finally remembered to cancel it, but, uh, and, and then the pandemic hit, but I was able to go through the house and open up all the cupboards where I'd been storing it toilet paper. And I thought, well, if all else fails, we could sell this abundant supply that we have. <laughs> we weren't going through it as quickly as the subscription was coming in. Uh, so so I think just subscription um, applications or product of things that you, you use a lot. And then, I, I, let's see, then the last thing I think um, would probably... Uh, 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 let me see. Well, I guess I, another subscription is, um, this dog food that I've got called farmer's dog. Uh, we just got a puppy and we have a 10 year old dog and they love this food so much and it makes them so happy and, and it just, uh, keeps them really in, in good shape and healthy and, and it comes every, every, uh, you know, every two weeks and it's, uh, high, highly nutritious and isn't that grain stuff that you don't know what's in it. It looks like real food and, I mean even the birds uh, follow them around hoping that uh, to, to get some of uh, get some of the peas out of uh, out of their uh, remains so <laughs>
0: got it fourth question um, what are the most important revelations that you've had in the last couple of years and we had some guests who shared something deeply personal about their relationships family life travel um, Whatever. So, speak about anything you feel comfortable sharing with us.
1: You know, I, I think that one of the things that I'm struggling with right now is our political situation and uh, being from the Deep South and being in a very, in one of the most liberal bastions of the United States here in Seattle and having a lot of friends and family still in the Deep South and, uh, you know, Facebook giving them the voice and then this person that we have in our, uh, as our president right now, who's bringing out, uh, kind of the dark, ugly belly that, uh, underside of, of, uh, of our society that I, uh, think I knew existed, but I didn't realize the the depth and the, um, the intensity of, of, uh, how awful racism that, the and, um, and people's, uh, negativity and, and ability to um, you know overlook his all of his shortcomings and support him and and it just it's really frightening to me but it's also given me pause in terms of of uh you know do i even want to uh I, I i grew up in the military as i mentioned before so it's really hard for me i i want to take the flag back and make it mean something that it has it, that it has been taken from um people who think like I do and to mean things that I don't want it to mean. So that's kind of a revelation where I'm, I'm really rethinking, um, what my relationship is with, uh, with a lot of people, friends and family that, that, uh, have made their political beliefs very clear. And I don't mean it from a cancel way. I mean it more from a, from a way of, of, uh, you know, how, how I want to spend my, my time and efforts. And so, um, in my energy. And so I I think that that's been really sobering for me is to, to get a big, a better sense of, of how deep, um, our racist ties are in, in this, in this society. And that's, um, that's unsettling. Um, I'd also say that just, uh, in terms of business and recognizing that it's, there's a, uh, at some point the company is, has become, uh, it's, it's, a, in a place that the best thing we can do for the company is, is get out of the way. And, uh, that's a lot of letting go. And that's a lot of, uh, you know, picking new things and, uh, deciding what, what, what we're going to be. And then, um. I'd say that the other would probably be around especially during the pandemic around uh, how we spend our time and and uh, you know spending so much time alone I'm finding myself really craving that more um, whereas before I think it it was it was uh, it was something that I didn't get much of and now that I'm getting a lot of it, I can see where. Um, I'm going to be more selective when when we get back to normal about how much time I'm I'm expending uh, outside of outside of myself and and in in more crowded spaces.
0: Last question: uh, What would you tell your 20-year-old self?
1: Mm-hmm. I would say. Um, I would say build the, build the confidence to, uh, to trust your gut and to follow your path and not rely on don't, don't uh, put so much measure into what other people think and, um, and, and think about you and, and what you should do and where you should go.
0: Thank you so much for (laughs) being on the podcast, uh, sharing your great advice with us, uh, being so generous with your time. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for making this happen.
1: Oh, my gosh, Hardy, you're terrific. And uh, the best of luck to you and congratulations on all your success. And uh, I'm going to go follow you on Instagram. You've got me intrigued now. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much.